Black Slammer. With me, as always, is my co-host, my, my non-kayfabe brother, Mr. Steve Slammer. And we are now doing this show on 3 o'clock for multiple reasons. Uh, number one is, I'm a father. And my child uh, now wants me to uh, lay in bed with her for about two hours before she will go to sleep. So that's two hours of my day that's gone. So I had the option, which was I could make Steve, who's already starting the show at 10 o'clock his time, I could make him uh, wait an extra, an extra two hours, start the show at midnight or 11 o'clock, or... We could both. I could be the nice guy, uh, wrap up my work quickly, and since we only take an hour and a half anyways, we could do the show a little bit earlier throughout the day. So just as he's getting off of work, he can enjoy the rest of his night after the show. I think I'm a great person, Steve. Yeah, brother, I'm gonna have to agree with you on that one. You know, I mean, I am committed to the cause. However, uh, you know, getting up and uh, doing this starting at midnight my time. You know, unfortunately, this isn't paying the bills just yet. So I gotta, I gotta make sure I'm committed to my, to my day persona. You know, Superman's got to be Clark Kent sometimes too. You know. Yes, Superman does indeed need to be Clark Kent. And oh my God, I have recently just felt like have, have you just felt like it's been Christmas time for pro wrestling fans? Because God damn it, it's felt like. The storylines are hitting a little bit smoother. Uh, the show, the show, like, it's like they take our complaints and they actually, like, flip them. Even Reggie is starting to grow on me. Oh, boy. Now, is it Stockholm Syndrome or does it has, has the world of professional wrestling officially grabbed me back 100% as a true full-fledged fan of modern-day wrestling? Stockholm syndrome. Maybe it's the uh, man wandering through the desert handed a bottle of piss syndrome. I don't know, but I think we'll. I, I, I you know, sadly, as as I've sat back and thought about it, I think that they may be finding their sweet spot with one Mister Reggie. Well, see, here's what here's not to jump straight into it, but I guess we are going to wow. jump straight We're into just it. Diving right in. That's what we do, man. I mean, we got an hour and a half. We got to just get right to it. What I think they've done well with one Reggie is instead of, because I don't think, you and I have said, we don't have an issue with him as the performer. It's just how they have presented the WWE or the 24-7 championship, making it a legitimate title with some of the matches that they were doing, giving him a full entrance into the ring and things of that nature. Last week, they did a funny little vignette and I made the analogy of, you know, goofy belt in a goofy segment with goofy characters for a, for a short period of time works. Get in, get out. And I think when you just let Reggie be Reggie, hit a couple of backflips, have R-Truth and the other gentlemen do some silly stuff with some terrible disguises and, and, and you know, stay true to the 24-7 championship... I'm okay with that because I, I can handle two minutes of silliness with the 24-7 title. What I don't want them to do is try to push it on me like it's a real championship when we both know that's just not the case. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. You know, it, it, I think part of my rejection of it at first was, 
the fact that they were starting to have 24-7 championship matches in the ring, and, you know, they had never had these things before, and then you got this character that just comes out of nowhere, and now he's doing all this this weird, you know, Cirque du Soleil nonsense. And I think that, you know, there, there was a portion of the crowd that was kind of into the, the flashier stuff, but I, I found myself, as I was watching this skit on Monday, that, you know, he he, come, he he seems like a nice guy. You know, like, he, he comes across like he's happy to be there, you know, and, and, and that kind of attitude can be infectious. But in that environment where if you're going to insist on having this, this comedy title, here's the perfect way to use it. If you want it to be on this, this Reggie character, here's the perfect way to do it. Because I, I actually found myself getting a kick out of him you know, doing the the backflips out of the way of you know Akira Tozawa and the trash can and all that stuff, and then at the end when he does the flip over to over the car, yeah, and then he lands and he's just like, well, you know, that's how it's done. I'm gonna go ahead and take off now. Like I was just like, you know what? If you're if you're gonna insist on showing me these characters and having this type of showcase, this is the perfect way to do it. It was just enough, because because and this is not to criticize the guy. He he's not at a point in terms of his in-ring ability that I want to see him not just on one show, but every show defending the title. It's a title we don't care about. Use it this way. I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I thought so too. And you know what? I'm going to go as far as saying maybe because it's generous, maybe because I've just felt very blessed as a professional wrestling fan. Mr. Reggie gets a B here. A solid B. Not a B minus, not a B plus. I'm going to give him a B because it made me laugh. It entertained me. And clearly they're building heat with each other. And this is this reminds me of the essence of the hardcore title when they inst- instituted the 24-7 clause onto it. It's starting to hit that level of silly to where I'm actually entertained. Not silly to the point where, okay, are you trying to be serious with this belt? That's clearly just a prop. So I have to... Yeah, I have to. Uh, I have to give it a solid B. This segment. Yeah, I, I I didn't really think of a grade for it because it's because of the nature of the skit. It's it's one of those. It's one of those. It's a sports entertainment skit, right? But but like I said, I mean, you know, I know that we've been hard. I know that I've been hard on most of the stuff involving Reggie the last couple of weeks. It, it, you know, I was I was very pleased with what i saw so if i had to grade it i would also give it a b awesome now speaking of i have to i have to mention this because i had not gotten a chance to see what they had done to the intercontinental championship so speaking of belts that have lost their uh lost their so to speak um what the hell did they do to that intercontinental championship it looks garbage like it doesn't i know what they were trying to do they're trying to make these belts more marketable designed in such a way that you could sell those at walmart if i'm a six-year-old kid that seems like the belt that's on clearance for three freaking dollars because nobody wanted to freaking buy it it is garbage it is gaudy it's just the worst thing i have ever seen in my life yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of the design. I think that, you know, we grew up on the classic, you know, late 80s, early 90s intercontinental title. Uh, and, he, and even that 
you know, the oval design that they went to during the Attitude Era, and then eventually when they brought, you know, when Cody, now in AEW, but when Cody brought back the the classic Intercontinental title, you know, I was pleased because I love that belt. But, um, yeah, the, the, the design, uh, it just, nothing about their titles really stands out. Like, it just, it's very, it's like the new UFC belts. Like, it's like a little octagon. It's like, eh, you know, there's, there's nothing there's nothing flashy in a good way about it you know I, I could use a little gaudy sometimes not like the old you know spinner wwe title belt that thing was ridiculous but you know just something that makes it you know makes it worthwhile of the stature that it should have in relation to the stories that they tell on the show that they're presenting i just i never really like it but yeah you know that new intercontinental title ugh, i could do without it it's not gonna. It's not gonna be appearing in my collection. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, it's not gonna appear in my collection. Uh, we have a new Intercontinental Champion, uh, King Nakamura, is now the champion. Defeated Apollo Cruz in a somewhat entertaining match. Um, I just feel like the story and the heat between those two guys um, switching titles prior to SummerSlam means that neither of those guys are probably gonna compete uh, at SummerSlam. So it's, uh, you know, because I remember back in the day, you'd have the Intercontinental Championship would happen one or two matches before the main event. Now it's, now it's just treated, it, not only does it look like a throwaway championship, it's treated like a throwaway championship. So with that said, um, yeah, the match was pretty good, but I, I mean, I don't think they're going to retire any of their championships, but it does it just not feel like they're trying to just phase out on the Intercontinental Championship? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that stood out to me here, and it's it's because of the commentary job. So, you know, we, we've talked about the fact that the Intercontinental title has fallen in stature. I mean, you know, when we started doing this, you couldn't even recall who the Intercontinental Champion was. And honestly, it took me a minute to even remember it was Apollo Crews. And he hasn't really done much since he won the title. You know, he took it from Big E, then he became Nigerian, then he started, you know, having, you know, Dabakato or Commander D's Nuts or whatever his name is, uh, following him around. But during this match, you have the announcers talking about all the Hall of Famers that won the Intercontinental title. They're talking about Shawn Michaels, and they're talking about Razor Ramon, and... You know, I think they're missing the point in that they have this belief that by putting a belt on somebody, it elevates them. Yeah. And I think what actually happens, because the storylines and the booking around these belts, and there's so many of them, that it actually ends up dragging the holders down that end up being it's almost like a it's almost like a weight around their neck. Like it's, you know, like Apollo Crews wins the title, he doesn't do anything. Now Nakamura, his act is getting a little over, although I'm really tired of his guitarist. I, I, I'm sorry. I know the crowds like it, but I, I just don't get it. But, um, you know, how about that finish? That finish was about as decisive as it gets. I mean, Apollo Crews got pinned in the middle of the ring, clean, no interference. The crowd's really into the act. You know, Nakamura's kind of reborn. Hope. Hopefully the uh, hopefully this ends up being a plus, but you know we say that every time there's a new champion crowned, and actually we'll talk about a concern that I have later on when we get the predictions. But overall, I actually kind of enjoyed the match. I actually gave it a B plus. 
Yeah, um, I I actually also gave the match a B plus. Also, um, you know, it would be one thing if the guitar player was there for triumphant moments. Like it would be a cool gimmick if it was once in a while. But to your point, it's every single time. Um, you know, the whole King Nakamura gimmick. You know how he stole the crown. It's kind of cool. I think it's getting over. But um, yeah, you are correct there. With the commentary, they are still boosting the value of the title, putting it on Nakamura. Nakamura is a guy who is worthy of that championship. He just competed in Money in the Bank. He's had a couple of co-main events at WrestleMania. Definitely uh, increases the status of the title, at least to where it's at right now. Or respects... Well, it, yeah, I mean, it, it was so striking to hear, though, like... It, like I, I never really think about it and then i'm hearing them just go on and on about it and I, it kind of took me out of the match for a minute because i'm just like yeah that yeah i mean th those the intercontinental championship used to be the title i mean i because hogan was monopolizing the belt through most of the 80s i mean you know the intercontinental title was where it was at and the last decade of intercontinental champions has been underwhelming to say the least i mean it's not used in the same way so you know but hey we'll see what happens you know nakamura's act is getting over and i'm confused over why they keep you know promoting his guitarist i mean is the guitarist going to eventually get in the ring is the guitarist supposed to be the one getting the heat minor issues aside like i said if the crowd's eating it up so be it the match was decent no intercontinental champion king nakamura and uh, it's just a shame that that title win didn't happen at SummerSlam. I know I wasn't keen on the match happening at SummerSlam, but after I saw the celebration and the pyro and the crowd being really into it, I was like, man, that would have been cool to see at SummerSlam. That would have that would have definitely been cool. And with the card coming out, I just don't think we're going to see an Intercontinental Championship match at SummerSlam. Well, well don't be so sure. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up, because right now there's 10 matches on the card, um, unless they move one of those matches to the pre-show, which is actually a prediction that I have, there's always an opportunity to have Nakamura do some type of an open challenge for the Intercontinental title on the pre-show, but we'll get there. We will get there. Okay, so uh, there's something that's been bothering me lately, because I guess we're just going to stick on SmackDown uh, for a second here. Um, so Baron Corbin has a match against Kevin Owens, which, you know, all things considered, I thought it was a good match. I actually thought Kevin Owens did a pretty decent job. He got over. I think he's trying to be a kind of a pseudo baby face just so he can, like, keep things fresh with the, with the whole Kevin Owens gimmick, the character. Um, so that part, no issues with there. But then, after Baron... So basically, Baron Corbin and Kevin Owens have a match. In that match, there's a stipulation that says... If Baron Corbin loses, he can no longer beg for money from the WWE universe. So he has to stop the whole the whole shtick about begging for money and things of that nature, which is fine. Uh, Kevin Owens beats him pretty decisively. Uh, Baron gets some offense in, so it's not a it's not a squash match by any stretch of the imagination. After he loses. Baron buries his head. You think it's all over. You think we're finally done with this freaking shtick with the mustard on the on the freaking shirt and whatnot. Only for him to grab Big Easy's or Big E's uh, money in the bank contract, the briefcase uh, that contains the contract. 
personally with how they've been using Big E and not really pumping him up, uh, not really using him, using him as basically a glorified extra these past two weeks. Um, this this is kind of a kind of a shit thing to do to him, and I, I certainly hope that with with what happened with the contract signing, if that just doesn't become the norm, where it's like, well, yeah, you won it, but he's got the briefcase, so it's his now. Sorry. Well, you, you got me a little confused there because you said Big Easy, and I automatically assumed you were talking about an ex-girlfriend of mine. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, actually, you know, I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on this. Um, Big E, since he won the money in the bank, aside from that, that grinning like an idiot thing he did with, with Paul Heyman a week ago, um, he hasn't done anything. And he needs something to do. Like, yeah. I, I know I complain about holding patterns, but considering what's going on around the Universal and World titles right now, Big E needs to be in a holding pattern. So Baron Corbin, you know, say what you want about him. And like, I could I could love to see the this this version of Baron Corbin doing promos. I just hate seeing him in a ring. I don't I don't really like his ring work. However, yeah. with that said, um, you know, Corbin can't beg for money anymore. He can hold the contract hostage. I really hope they're not going to insult our intelligence the way that they did with the with the uh, universal contract signing and say that Corbin can cash in the money in the bank contract. I hate when they do that. Yeah. However, however, I could see a logical situation forming where they say, well, he can't cash it in unless he has it in his possession because, you know, that's why they always do the thing where they hand in the, the, the briefcase to the referee, right? So Corbin holds it hostage. Maybe Corbin is black is is ransoming it to Big E for money, you know. And they could drag that out a couple weeks. But I, I have a feeling. I, I have this uh, this awful feeling that they're gonna they're gonna imply that Corbin can now cash in. And I mean, they said that. They did. They they asked the question. I think it was Corey Graves asked the question as they were going off the air. And I was just like, oh God, no, don't do that. But you know, it, it could it could be interesting to give. I, I mean, look. Corbin's not going to be cashing in money in a bank. Let's just get let's just get past that. However, yeah. just don't make it too convoluted. You know, it would fit in with Corbin's story if they did it that way. It gives E something to do, gets us through SummerSlam and and into you know Survivor Series season. But you know, it it was what it was. I didn't necessarily hate it, but I'm taking a wait and see approach with what I saw. Yeah, my, I just hope for Big E's sake that they actually find something meaningful for him to do. Uh, because it's like, hey, you just had the biggest moment of your career. Now, is he in a holding pattern until uh, the end of... Because the logical move is post-Lashley-Goldberg. If he wants to get revenge for Kofi, he can get it that night. And so that he doesn't look like a total heel... Maybe he has to have a back and forth with Corbin first to get it back, maybe in the pre-show, just so it's like, hey, we just, we, we see, that's something I could see in the pre-show for SummerSlam, like the resolution for Money in the Bank, because what they've actually done a pretty good job about, we have not talked about what Lashley did to Kofi in a very long time, at least from a viewer perspective. It's almost like that match didn't even happen whatsoever. Um... And then when you see uh, Kofi and Xavier Woods on Raw, 
they haven't addressed it either. Like this past week, you only saw them one time, and that was when, or yesterday, when in the match was happening, or basically the uh, post drip drip <laughs> Miz uh, back and forth backstage. Uh, I believe Xavier Woods is holding up a whiteboard that says buy our shirt and then <laughs> Kofi's holding it. They're all nothing but smiles and laughs. That was actually my favorite part of that freaking promo, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and then, you getting ideas for your uh, for your side hustle here? For my side hustle? Well, the what uh, my idea you for the side... For, well, hang on. For those that, that are going to be listening to this and not watching the stream here, there is a big whiteboard behind you. So I have this feeling like in the future we're going to be seeing subliminal not so subtle subliminal messages written on this board you know what the thing about the whiteboard behind me is uh <laughs> clients see that all day uh employers see that all day and the, and i already see them because normally what i do with my own personal life is i make a check my i don't need like faux motivation tactics to get me to do what i'm supposed to do i just need a list of things and what i do every day is i make a list and i say hey until I do everything on this list, I do not get to sleep, and I'm a and I love my sleep. So, that's kind of what the whiteboard is. So I already see them deciphering like what's behind me, like oh, what's that? What's that mean? What's this mean? Uh, and it turns into like a 15 minute, 15 minutes of Slack messages afterwards. So as much as I would love to draw, say a penis uh, on the whiteboard behind me, or something really amazing, or something suspect that could be a penis behind me on that whiteboard i can't quite do it because knowing my ass i will forget to turn it off so there is there is nothing subliminal or subtle about drawing a big penis on a whiteboard behind you on a live stream i'm just gonna point that out well what if it's a penis a holding an umbrella that's you know being showered with acid rain i mean that could be a thing right well, I would hope if there were acid rain endangering my penis that I would have an umbrella handy. Well, so. yeah, of course. You always got to be prepared, man. Like, you mm. got to – hindsight is fifty-seven, fifty-seven. Anyways. Um, Life is all about risk assessment. So now that's going to have to be something that I add into my risk assessment. Risk assessment. That's the next app we're going to build. It's just mm. a risk assessment app. And then based on your level of paranoia, that becomes the uh, – <laughs> that becomes, like, what it is. Risk. So it's like – rational fears like hey there's rain outside did you wear your umbrella or it's like hey uh there's been three car accidents near you lately are you sure you're wearing your plastic bubble today what about an umbrella hat you know like one of those one of those hats that has like an umbrella that comes out the top you know what dude i have a feeling those would be amazing in say like seattle washington if you could make them stylish like if you could get Gucci yeah. behind it, like you gotta, it, it has to look like something you would want to wear normally, right? Like I'm not gonna drive a Prius, right? But I will drive the fuck out of a Tesla because it's sexy, sleek, oh, yeah. and all that. Yeah, so that's the thing. Chick, chicks dig the Tesla, man, I'm it's telling you. It's eco-friendly and sexy, whereas Prius just means, hey, I'm a douche and I probably eat vegan. That's, that's what the Prius says. Saying you're a douche and eating vegan, that's kind of redundant, though, isn't it? That kind of is That kind of is redundant. Apologies so, to anyone watching or listening that may be vegan. I respect my vegan friends. We do. And I, I actually went raw vegan for six months, and then I realized how much I hated myself. And then actually what really happened was this. 
Um, I was raw vegan and I was one of those people who was like, oh my God, I feel so good. I feel great. I've got all this energy. It's so amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Then I ate a cheeseburger and then another cheeseburger and then another cheeseburger and I never so got I, back. I, see, I think vegan veganism is like, it's like, it's like CrossFit. It's like a cult, right? Like yeah. the, the moment, like you, you, the moment you run into somebody who's in the CrossFit, like they're just like, Hey, do you have a minute for me to tell you about the church of CrossFit? And it's just like, no, I don't want to hear about your fucking CrossFit. Right? Like, I get it. I appreciate the fact that you're working out and you're happy and you found something that works for you, but I don't want to hear about the, the church of CrossFit. You know, it's the same thing with, with, you know, with ve- most, my, most of my vegan friends, although I will say that they don't necessarily, you know, go out of their way to push it, but they seem, it seems like they always go out of their way to mention the fact that, oh yeah, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm vegan. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of a new religion now that we're kind of in a, like, I would call it like a post uh, religious part of American culture. Now it's more like instead of, um, the Mormon guys with the, you know, the black, the black tie, white button down shirt, t-shirts coming to your house, what you're going to get is you're going to get like CrossFitters riding little bikes. And then what they'll do is they'll actually flip tires up to your front door, knock and just be like, Hey bro, let me tell you about this wad. Do you know, do you know about the wad, bro? Let me tell you about wad, bro. (laughs) Like, you know, I, Oh God. I, you know, that, that risk assessment app idea that you just talked about, Big E could have used that because you don't leave your money in the bank contract just sitting around. But somebody else that could have used that risk assessment app is Seth Rollins because what the fuck is Seth Rollins wearing on national TV? Okay, here's here's what I think happened. And uh, much like one Vince Russo was accused back in the day of copying ECW, does Seth Rollins not at least have a feel of one uh, Maxwell James Friedman. It just uh, feels like Maxwell J- Seth Rollins has basically devolved into Maxwell James uh, James Friedman Jacob, Jacob Friedman mm-hmm. uh, with uh, worse dialogue, slightly crazier, and with a and with a significantly worse wardrobe. And here's where I feel sorry for him. It looks like he paid a tailor to take a bath curtain. And, and, and freaking sew it together like a suit for him. And that's not something that costs like a hundred bucks. You know, he probably had to pay probably two or three grand a suit for that thing. You know a lot about suits, not me, but you dude, know. Dude, I, I, I'm telling you right now, like God knows I'm one dapper son of a bitch, okay? And, I, and my suit game is strong. But, you know, goddamn, I mean, that, that suit is so ugly that if you tried to sell it to a blind man, his seeing eye dog would probably bite you. I mean, Jesus Christ. Did he even look in the mirror before he... Like, I, I know he's trying to get heat with how he's wear, with what he's wearing, but Jesus, I mean, that, that suit is so ugly that if he checked himself out in the mirror before heading out to the ring for that promo, his reflection would have tried to run away from it. Well, his... I the, mean, he, he's dressing like a 60s Batman villain, for Christ's sake. I mean, yeah. what is he doing? Well, I think that's the feel he's going for. Like, his character, his mannerisms, it, it kind of feels like he was watching uh, The Dark Knight. Um, it, it's, it kind of feels like he's trying to be, like, a little bit of a Heath Ledger Joker thrown in there, mixed with the Seth Rollins character mixed with the guy who's con- who who kept getting like overstepped by edge um then well well 
Well, hey, dude. Hell of a gimmick video, though, right? Oh, that gimmick video was solid. I love that thing. Well, basically, thing. he had, like, a production-quality video that essentially was like, I'm not trying to beat Edge. I'm better than Edge. Here, Here's why. And the whole time you're watching the video, part of me's like, he's not wrong here. Because yeah. he brings up very valid, very true points, and it's the... Uh, it's my favorite narrator, the guy who does all the WWE documentaries. That voice just sounds like freaking warm butter. Uh, In a world where... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seth Rollins. And I'm, I can't even do it. Like, I can do a good impersonation. I can't, I can't impersonate that man. He's just that good. Um, but yeah, the, the Heat video was amazing. And to, and to Seth Rollins' credit... He is really selling the fact that he's crazy. I just wish that the writers feeding him lines would stop stealing from AEW, even if it is subtle. Mm. Like, because I'm not saying that Rollins is stealing from them. I'm, I'm I think that uh, you know one of the ten writers who's writing lines for him that didn't bother to actually, uh, you know, think creatively for themselves. Maybe they were smoking weed. Maybe they were doing something else. I don't know. But day before, it's about an hour, they have a pitch meeting for Seth, and they're just like, oh, fuck, 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 what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Okay, he's a crazy character. Then all of a sudden, boom, YouTube video of uh, MJF pops up. He's like, just starts copying his lines. And this is similar to what some of the Seinfeld writers did to Kevin James. Uh, this is how Hollywood does it. You hire Hollywood writers, they're going to freaking do Hollywood-style plagiarism. And that's what I think just happened with Seth Rollins. It's not overt but you can definitely tell that they've been watching some aew i mean you could you could tell that from the opening promo i mean the the uh the john cena roman reigns confrontation right where they went out of their way to talk about you know to reference dean ambrose john moxley mm -hmm. right and then the i'm gonna blow a kiss you know the reference to the the infamous cm punk at money in the bank back in 13 you know so they they know what's going on and it was a cutesy little way of kind of you know, of bringing it up. I mean, the fans reacted to it, and that's what you're looking for. And that, hey, that opening, that opening segment between Roman Reigns and John Cena was solid. Oh, dude, I loved every minute of it. I loved every freaking second of it. And what I, I think, because the word on the street is, is that um, Reigns has been ad libbing for the past year, so he's been giving himself lines. So what I think happens is. Um, the writers say, hey, here's some suggestions, and then they take that and make it their own. But god damn, dude, that promo work from John Cena was probably some of his best stuff. It was very what, what? real. It was very gritty. Yeah. It, like, how good was, look, man, I don't have to prove anything to you. I just have to pin you. One, two, three, and I was like, goosebumps, bro. I, I, go ahead. Yeah, because I, I think that the the out see it, it's a common theme with with this match and with the the match coming up at at all out right so it, it's a foregone conclusion it, it, who's winning i mean we know roman reigns is winning we know that kenny omega is winning mm -hmm. so but you're trying to sell a big time pay-per-view with what should be a good match i mean you know omega and christian on rampage was was pretty good and yeah. i think that there's every reason to expect that reigns and john cena are going to have a good match but you want you if you're if you're trying to make make me believe you're trying to sell me on the possibility which i did not think was possible the 
the all I have to do is pin you, my 17th championship. It at least got me kind of like, okay, it got me a little interested. Just like with, with Rampage, you know, having Christian beat Omega for the TNA and Impact titles, you know, you're trying to send a message that, you know, well, Cage could beat him for the AEW title at All Out. He's not, spoiler alert. But, you know, that's about the best thing you could do. And it at least made me pause for a second and say, hmm, maybe, maybe Cena could win at SummerSlam. I, I don't know, you know? So, here's the thing. I think if Cena beats Reigns, Reigns doesn't get knocked down a peg or two. I think he's just as, ju- he's just as big of a star. He could handle the loss, right? Cena is now the 17-time world championship. And if you do it correctly, now you free up space for uh, for Reigns and Rock to start doing their thing because you already got, and this is probably the genius mind of Paul Heyman at work here, we, had, we didn't hear from Finn Balor last week on SmackDown. At least uh, maybe I missed whatever segment he was on. We haven't heard from Finn Balor. So Cena beats Reigns. Out who's ready is Finn Balor, who already mentioned that he wants to challenge for it. So Finn would get his title shot against Cena. Um, Reigns would be free to start working Rock uh, for WrestleMania, however they want to start setting up that story. Because eventually they are going to need to get the belt off of Reigns. So do you do it now or do you do it closer to WrestleMania? That's going to be the main question. Well, I mean, we can we can talk more about that when we get to the SummerSlam prediction segment. But I will tell you that um, what they do with Reigns and how they take the title from him matters significantly at this point. Yeah. You know, he, he returned a year ago at last SummerSlam. Um, and and I'll, that's all I'll say for right now. I'll wait until we get to the predictions. Okay. Well, you just brought up Kenny Omega versus Christian. Um, I thought that was a sensational match. But as I'm thinking, like, maybe I was a prisoner of the moment. And here, here's why I was saying that. First off, what does Christian gain from beating Kenny Omega? Like, what does he really gain from the Impact Championship other than saying that he's won a world championship? Well, I mean, at, the, at, at this point, what I think is, is Christian is still technically undefeated in AEW. He's going to lose to Omega at All Out. But there's no match with any of the incoming talent that's going to mean as much as heel Omega defending the title against these guys. What you were trying to do here is just like I said, you were trying to sell the possibility. And I think also what you could do from here at, at All Out is you can make the match winner take all. Yeah. Right. So, and then you get the belts back onto Omega. Now, uh, do I think that they could do that? Absolutely, because I think that the moment that they moved away from Adam Page into this holding pattern, and then they moved Christian up. If if it was Adam Page as as previously booked against Omega, I would think that Page is winning the title. The moment they said Christian, I said not a chance in hell. This is this is clearly just holding. So now you need to keep Christian strong. He's going to take his first loss. Okay, well, you had him pin Omega, so he'll have that on his resume. He's going to have the, the, the titles added to his resume, whether or not he defends him in a winner-take-all, we'll see. I, the reason I think it might be winner-take-all is because it raises the stakes of the all-out event. And also, they had apparently AEW intervene because Omega defended the AAA Mega Championship 
at uh, uh, ah, I'm drawing a blank on the Triple Mania. Yeah, Triple over, Mania over the past weekend. Yeah, and he was supposed to drop the title to Andrade El Idolio, um, but apparently AEW asked him not to just yet. So they're keeping the belts on the quote-unquote belt collector. I can see them making it a winner-take-all just because you're trying to raise interest in the match. But at the end of the day, we know who's winning. We do. And then also, I was at first, I was like, so Kenny Omega won't lose to people like Jungle Boy or somebody he could elevate. but And he'll lose to Christian, who's a guy who is a legend in his own respect, who's still technically undefeated. And he didn't lose clean, if you notice, in the match. He There was somewhat of a that, schmoz. There was use of yeah, a chair. That was a hell of a bump he took on. Did you see the way his neck bent when his head hit that chair when Christian ooh. did the kill switch on the chair? Yeah. I mean, I, I know he was okay, but ooh, like they and they replayed it, and I was just like, ah, like I don't know. It just it looked rougher than than I think it should have. It definitely looked rougher. It definitely looked rougher than what it should have been. You're 100 percent correct there. I think, uh, but then yet, Christian's been doing it for so long. Kenny's been doing it for so long. I'm hoping that it was just a way that they did it, which was, you know, to, to kind of add effect to it. But in the words of Mick Foley, if it looked like it hurt, it probably did. Well, and the reality is here, I mean, you know, I talked about the fact that they're trying to raise the stakes and raise interest in the all-out main event. The, the reality is they just gave away the all-out event on free TV, right? Yeah. Well, cable TV, right? So at this point... All Out is being sold on the promise of who's going to be showing up. And whether or not they show up this Friday, I don't think that they're going to. Yeah. But, you know, I, th I think they're going to save it for all. They may announce it since it's in Chicago, but we'll see. But um, uh, overall, but the match itself was really good. I actually liked the Christian-Kenny Omega match. If I had to grade it, I gave it an A+. Plus. Yeah. And the reason I gave it the A+, plus was because, again... This is the only thing that they could have done to raise interest in a match that really should have no interest, other than the fact that it's going to be a good match. We know that the title's not changing hands. They, they executed it really well. They protected Omega a little bit. Um, they gave Christian his moment. Um, you know, minor criticism. I, you know, I know it's an AEW show, but the fans chanting AEW in a match for the TNA title was kind of funny to me. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Well, you know what? I where I agree with you there, and I, I'm gonna give it. I actually gave it an A minus, but and that's fine for similar reasons because I feel like now you're gonna have two guys coming in. Now you do right by Christian, who is probably told, "Hey, man, you come here, you're gonna be a mega star." They put a belt on him. I don't think. I think you make him lose for the AEW belt. You let him keep the Impact title. Um, and then you have a different path for like a different tier of talent that he could work with. So maybe guys who are above the TNT championship, but not quite in the heavyweight picture. And now you have kind of a tier bracket there for those guys. While you know, your, your two major stars are going to come in. Um, so yeah, I, I did enjoy that moment. Um, it's very clear that, um, like, Omega is not going to lose. I think if Omega is to actually drop the AEW championship, it's going to be to one of the two big stars who's coming in that night. Or or to, you know, maybe a, a year from now, too, like a Jungle Boy or somebody that you want to make. But, it's it, you know, at this point, they've, they've 
run through Jungle Boy. They're about to run through Christian Cage. They ran Adam Page out of the picture. So it's clear, to me at least, that this is what they're setting up. Dude, Adam Page probably. I, I know that you think it's just a creative blunder. What I think happened was he got caught banging somebody's wife. He <laughs> ate the last great Pop-Tart on the way out of the house. And he... he he ran into Big Easy. That's what happened. You know, that's what happens when you run into Big Easy. You know, <laughs> bad things happen. Bad things happen when you run into Big Easy. That is correct. But yeah, they did it. I thought the whole Rampage show, they did a sensational job on it. I felt like it was just the right amount of wrestling. And dare I say it, it brought up some nostalgia for me back when Raw, the early, early Raws were literally an hour, 45 minutes of action front to back just the right amount of wrestling and uh i even liked what they did with fuego del sol so if you're watching the match it's like miro he has no chance of beating miro whatsoever but what i do like what the announcers did which actually added to the match was they said miro has a problem with the ddt what was the only move fuego del sol hit in that match i know i i I'll let you finish. I, I, I completely disagree with that. Well, he hits, <laughs> he, hits the, he hits the DDT on that, on that match. And then what I like is, what I did like about that is, I'm, I hate it when baby faces act freaking stupid. Like they go outside the ring when they can just win the match. They let them get counted out. I love how Fuego actually was like, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll take a count out win. I'll take the count out win. <laughs> I just want the contract, right? Except, except you're not winning the title that way. Exactly. But I don't think he was going for the title. He just wanted to fight for his job that way. But anyways, uh, match happens. Miro finally gets a hold of him. Does exactly what we know Miro is going to do to him. Match itself, you know, wasn't the greatest thing I ever saw. But I did think it was kind of cool that, you know, a fan favorite, somebody who's kind of... Uh, kind of similar to what the brooklyn brawler was it's a job guy that got over with the crowd had a little name to him um and then the crowd went wild as sammy his best friend gave him a contract i like stuff like that i understand it's not for everybody but you know you know me i'm a sucker when the crowd gives it a pop and they like it and the people who paid money to go into the building to watch your product are enjoying themselves i'll take it but i want to hear your thoughts well, if this were real, I might be able to, to deal with it. The problem is, is that the story, it's a story, right? Yeah. They're setting it up. He's got to beat Miro and, and take the TNT title, or, or apparently he could have won by count out and not won the title, in order to get his contract. So not only does he lose, he loses in two minutes. He gets his ass kicked. And then they come out and they give him the contract anyway. So I... Uh, is being a, all elite now like a participation trophy? Is that what we're doing here? <laughs> well, you tried. Well, you really tried, young man. So you know what? We're going to give you a contract anyway. I, I just, ah, it, you could have scripted it any other way. I'm not trying to say he had to beat Miro. You could have had him beat Miro by count out. You could have had Miro, you know, trip and slip on a banana peel or something. <laughs> I don't know. Or, or at the very least, if you're going to have him lose and, and then to justify them giving him the contract anyway, have him go 10 minutes with Miro. Have him give Miro a quick scare. I'm not saying put the title on, on Del Sol because that, that wouldn't be a good idea, but he, he, he got steamrolled by Miro. He did. So in your opinion, if they would have said, hey, he kept, 
you know, my, my opinion is, you know, you could have given him the Rocky Balboa treatment where he kept getting his ass kicked, but kept coming back, kept kicking out, kept putting his foot on the rope. And then you're like, God damn it. Like, give him a moment. So what you're saying is give him a moment that says, hey, you earned that contract. You held in there. You were just outclassed in the match. They did give him the Rocky Balboa treatment. They gave him Rocky Balboa versus Clubber Lang one. That's what they gave him. <laughs> but you, but they should have given him at least, uh, you know, the first six rounds of Apollo Creed. They, yeah, they could have given him Rocky Rocky Apollo one. Rocky Apollo one would have been better. But then, yet it's, I'm, but not to that extreme. But you know, all right. At least then, at least then he, you know, he tried. He took the champion to the limit. You know, and and you know what. Even though we the the the, the, the stipulation was is that you gotta beat him, we really liked what we saw. How do you justify that you liked what you saw? I mean, he got a, he got his ass beat. Yeah, he did. He he got a little bit of early offense with he landed the DDTs. A couple DDTs on Miro. Eh. Yeah, I mean, it was two minutes. It was two minutes. It was two minutes. Um, you know what? Here's the thing. It was he's a fan favorite. It's the world I, we live in. I know part of it's more like because you and I were both against freaking participation trophies as a principle. But for me, I like that the crowd was enjoying themselves, having a great time, enjoying the flow of things. And speaking of which, um, have you seen a certain tweet on Twitter that was sent out by AEW? Which one would we be talking about? So, as you know, and I think this is your favorite of all the labors of Jericho, because who's to count? I think you love, we, we, both, oh we both professed our love on this program <laughs> for all of them. We're being, I'm being sarcastic there. Um, basically, they're like, hey, listen, we want to respect MJF. But say if the crowd, the people showing up, were to memorize the lyrics and sing those songs. So what I think they're hoping for uh, is that, and it wouldn't <clears throat> surprise me if they gave everybody, like, freaking Sunday church style, the lyrics to Judas to have people just sing Jericho out. I think it's going to be off tune and horrible, but if they somehow pull it off, maybe it'll maybe it'll add some degree of entertainment to that match. Um, but yeah, that was. I just wanted to bring that up. Speaking of uh, AEW silliness, uh, I figured well, I'd bring God, that to your attention. Well, well, God knows that after you know seeing Jericho, you know, cut up with a pizza slicer, and you know having light tubes exploded on him, and having to have a, a, a 25-year-old rematch with Juventud Guerrera and getting steamrolled by Wardlow. I'm ready to see the culmination, the pinnacle, no pun intended, if you will, of this feud where Chris Jericho has to face MJF in the most obscene, ridiculous, grueling, steel, no, it's not a steel cage, uh, a Texas, no, it's not a Texas death match. Oh, hell in a set, no, it's not hell in a set. What about last oh, man standing? Not last man. No, it's not that either. Oh, he can't. He can't use his theme music. Oh, and he can't hit the Judas elbow. Fucking bullshit is this? I, if you like this stuff, I'm sorry. What? What? What is that? I mean, uh, you know what this is. This, this is. This is. The, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. No, this is. This is. They got uh. themselves in trouble because of the goddamn pizza cutter. So now they had to come up with some other stuff to not piss anybody off. That it, but but there's certain wrestling tropes that work. Just say, you know what, Chris? Steel cage match. Okay, great. Uh, you know, 
it's kind of it's still kind of blottomy, but it's better than you can't have your theme music and you can't throw your shitty elbow. Yes, the uh, the back spinning elbow of doom. Don't, don't take away the code breaker. He only won a world title with that. Don't take away the lion tamer. He only won a world title with that. Don't take away the walls of Jericho. He only became the first undisputed champion for that. Take away the freaking Judas elbow and the Judas music. Okay, great. MJF, you're a fucking genius. Yeah, um, this whole thing. I, so dastardly. They were just running out of order the entire freaking time. And then also, speaking of the him, match with Wardlow, what's crazy well, there on, is him, it's like. Well, hang on. Him, him and Seth Rollins can, can become Batman villains at this point. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah that was uh what was i where was i gonna go from here jesus i'm sorry god. you were you were talking about wardlow i cut you off i'm sorry yeah no well first off it, it was like i think they were really gonna plan some stuff that was gonna really like try to get us because i'm sure i'm sure they uh after the pizza cutter they were probably like oh yeah we're gonna come up with like barbed wire next week and then all of a sudden they probably got like a bunch of messages like no you're not this is denied this is denied we just lost dominoes no 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 and i think they just made a judgment call right off the bat mjf literally threw him off of the the top of the cell from blood and guts the, the war games match yeah he literally threw him off the top into a crash pad, but he still threw him off the top of the cage, right? Yeah. He's done worse things to Chris Jericho. Yeah. The, and now he's he's gotten Chris to agree to this labor situation and matches where where MJF is going to be this evil heel genius and he's going to come up with all these nefarious ways to fuck Chris Jericho over. And at the end, at the pinnacle, again, no pun intended, although at this point it probably is intended, at the end, they get to the apex of this and they say, Okay. Popcorn fart. <laughs> Dude, it's it's more like um it was all illogical. I and I've said this multiple times on the show. I'm like, "Okay, you're going to finish this off." If they just said, "Hey, look, if they would have came out and said, "Hey, look, we we screwed the pooch on this. This was stupid. Sorry. Our bad." We could have lived with that. But somehow Adam Page can't get a one a mono mono match with freaking Kenny Omega. But this gets to slide. What I felt about this segment. It hit for me. Uh, for those of you who did not see Raw, it begins with uh, freaking uh, a good promo between Matt Riddle and... Uh, which Actually, I should say between Riddle and Randy Orton. AJ Styles and Omos comes out to, to interrupt. AJ Styles and Riddle has an impromptu match to where... Uh, Randy Orton leaves Riddle out there by himself knowing that Omos is ringside. All that crazy stuff happens. Um, at the end of the night, uh, Randy Orton faces Omos and they've done a they've done a sensational job of making Omos like a freaking badass uh, throughout this whole thing. His move set is perfect. how he carries himself is perfect. They're starting to, you know, peel back the, the orange a little bit and expose more of his character instead of just being a big guy. It's very subtle, but it's there. Um, Riddle saves Randy Orton. Um, and then uh, 
Randy cuts the promo that actually Steve predicted. So you said, I thought that Orton would end up saving Riddle. You said that it made more sense for Riddle to have to save Orton again to earn his respect. So they, uh, RK bro comes back. They give each other a hug. The fucking house. You can hear on TV. The audio guys had to adjust that. It sounded like the fucking house was going to come down when, uh, when Orton, not Riddle said RK bro is back. Um, then Riddle proceeds to say, well, I guess you know what that means. That means at SummerSlam, we get to fight AJ Styles and Omos. Crowd goes wild again. Um, you know, that's not good. That match is not going to sell SummerSlam, but it's going to be, it's going to be a really cool feature to add on top of it. Um, I thought great promo. Um, really, you kind of saw like, uh, Randy sort of, uh, do this thing where he's conflicted from his standpoint. Cause he's like, look, I work alone. I'm a career asshole. This is kind of what I do. Um, so yeah, I mean, I thought that whole freaking segment, all of it worked for me. My only criticism, they should have done it sooner and they should have built it for another week. And I'm back. You're back. Um, yeah, I think my only other criticism is I could really... I, I like Matt Riddle. You know, NXT version of Matt Riddle. I, him acting like a Make-A-Wish kid with Randy Orton just doesn't... It, it just... It, it, I don't like it. But minor criticism aside, you know, for whatever reason, this whole this whole thing works. And it works for me, too. Like, the crowd was really into it. It's kind of... It's kind of shades of the the team hell no pairing with Kane and and Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Especially the hugging part. And and the crowds are eating it up. And I think part of the reason why the crowds are eating it up is because Orton has been so bland and so boring for so long that, you know, he's getting an opportunity to to do something a little bit different. My understanding uh, from what I've read is that the, the, the powers that be were not really big on this idea when Riddle came up with it, and the only person that was really wanting to do it was Randy Orton. Yeah. So, you know, hey, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens, but, uh, you know, I thought it was a good bookend to the show, and, uh, you know, I'm, that's all I got to say, really. I mean, it was... It could have used another week to breathe, but, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, it gave us, it gave uh, Omos and AJ Styles some new dance partners. Um, it reconnected a tag team that the crowd loved. I'm going to go, I'm going to go B plus with it. Uh, only because they should have done it sooner. They should have let it breathe. And the fact that Orton is behind it, you could tell. And I think he's actually enjoying himself because you can't play the same character for freaking 21 years and not get bored because what i said is for me orton's not one of the best heels to ever exist but he is one of the most reliable heels because sure. he he gets over as a complete dick because he looks like the guy who banged your girlfriend and ate your last bowl of cereal on your way out of the fucking house right so that's that's kind of how he's always gotten by as a heel now the whole riddle thing makes him likable. And, you know, I, I do agree they should dial back the whole make-a-wish kid thing. But I will say that him introducing some abandonment issues has given Riddle Riddle's character a little more substance outside of, hey, I probably got high and ate a bowl of fucking cornflakes before I came to fucking work today, right? Well, well, the 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 
the Make-A-Wish little brother version of the Riddle character makes me long for, you know, Scooter Douchebag Stoner Riddle character. I mean, just the his reaction at the beginning. I just, uh, but it works for whatever reason. It works. The crowds love it. I'm digging it. I, I, I don't get it, but whatever. Dude, it's just the right amount of cringe. For every great character... You need a little bit of cringe. And that's his cringe, right? So, and the more cringe-worthy he is, the more Randy Orton gets over as a uh, as a babyface. So, we can uh, we can allow that to to go down. Um, fair enough. All right. Spe- so we covered the Orton and Reigns promo. I have to give some props again this week to the uh to bobby lashley and goldberg mvp like at at the very least at least creative is on lockdown with with the two main championships which i think is all you can really ask for because they're going to command the most tv time i thought the promo was amazing uh the spear i feel like he should have he should have went back a little bit more to have a little more velocity on it because it felt more like a double leg takedown than a goldberg quality spear um properly adding his sons to the mix was cool goldberg as you and i have both said he was never the best on the mic there was a reason why wwe protected him from the mic for so long because his mic skills were not that great but lashley cuts a promo like an MMA fighter would, it really adds a, a adds a sense of believability to the story that makes me think, okay, these two giants are gonna try to fucking kill each other for this belt. Um, I do. I mean, we're gonna mention this before we go into our SummerSlam predictions, and I'm sorry if we missed some things today, folks. It's just we're covering six hours of wrestling <laughs> in in an hour and a half, so. What did you think of uh, Bobby Lashley Goldberg? I thought it, it was exactly what I expected. Um, you know, not to get into predictions, but you know, the Goldberg's not winning, and the fact that he was standing tall at the end of this just reinforced that for me. So this was his moment. It was moment with it was his moment with his kid. Um, his son's involvement just it, it's confusing me, but I'm beginning to think it's just a red herring. Like I thought that he was going to somehow be involved in the finish like you know they they use his son to distract goldberg in some way but that would that wouldn't be a good idea i think goldberg needs to lose he needs to lose decisively to continue the 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 build of bobby lashley and i think this might just be goldberg wanting to get his son involved you know get get his son some tv time but it it, it did what it was supposed to do you know it it was fine yeah 100 percent. and you know i think what it was was goldberg's 53 He's retired. He's a Hall of Famer. He really doesn't yeah. need to wrestle anymore. I think they brought the son in to give him a reason to. They fucking Rocky Balboa this story, whereas Rocky in the Rocky Balboa movie, this was when he came back to fight Antonio Tarver at 60 years old. He, you know, had his wife and he had everything going on and he just wanted to, you know, let out the beast one more time before he called it. Um, that's That kind of had a a lighter feel to it for Goldberg. Part of me feels that this will be the last time we see him wrestle. Um, There's not going to be a rematch. There's not going to be a rubber match. I doubt that Goldberg at 53 is going to want to get on the road and and live that life again. 
So, uh, I do think, before we get into predictions, you know, to prelude what I'm going to say, I do feel it will be decisive. I don't see Goldberg getting too, too much offense. And I could even see a no-sell in there for the spear. Well, I think um, if Goldberg is going to unleash the beast, I hope it's not missionary style because Roman Reigns is not like that. He is not. He is not like that at all. He is all. not a fan of the missionary. All right. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Um, you know what? I'll give that segment uh, B because I liked what was said. Um, move the pace along. And, you know, I think for us, C is like when it does what it needs to do. B is we like what they did there. For me, it was like the standard was set with Reigns and Cena this week in the heavyweight picture. So I can't, if you compare the two, SmackDown was still a a very clearly superior product um, in terms of the heavyweight promo. But I'm looking forward to both matches. Like, I think both matches are going to be freaking amazing. So I'm going to look up the SummerSlam card real quick. We have 10 matches. Well, yeah, we got 10 matches and about 40 minutes to cover all of them. Um, so let I think me... some of these are pretty straightforward. Oh, some of them are. Some of them deserve more time than others. Okay, this one. And I only have eight matches on this article, so I think this covers everything. And there, it... there, are, there are officially 10 per the WWE's website. Ooh, okay. Let me look up WWE real quick. And why don't you tell the people at home what those 10 matches are going to be? All right, so it's SummerSlam live in Las Vegas this coming Saturday for the Universal Championship. We have Roman Reigns defending against John Cena. For the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, Bobby Lashley defending against Goldberg. We have a triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship with Nikki Cross defending against Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. The SmackDown Women's Championship on the line, Bianca Belair defending against Sasha Banks. We have the Usos defending the SmackDown Tag Team Championship against the Mysterios. Edge versus Seth Rollins. The United States Championship on the line, Sheamus defending against Damian Priest. Drew McIntyre versus Jinder Mahal in an epic match that everyone wants to see the raw tag team championship as we talked about uh, aj styles and almost defending against rk bro and the last match that was added alexa bliss taking on eva marie in a match i want to see even less <laughs> those are the 10 matches scheduled for SummerSlam, and i i wish i could have had that old style mean gene delivery with the with the SummerSlam music playing in the background and some some promo, but, you know, maybe one day. Dude, Mean Gene was the best of all time. He was the best on-site interviewer of all time. Anybody else could fight me on that to the death. Seeing his, seeing how he, like, how he, especially in the 80s with those Macho Man promos and the Hogan promos and how he was able to get the most out of those guys while playing it completely straight... He was the best there was, ever. So I gotta gotta give props to Mr. Mean Gene Okerlund there. Okay, so let's just get the two shitty matches out of the way right okay. now. Alexa Bliss versus Eva Marie. Who takes it? 
Yeah, who cares? Um, <laughs> uh, you know what? I will go with Alexa Bliss. And there's no rhyme or reason behind it. It's just the only the, the only prediction that I have with this is that I hope it airs on the pre-show. Okay, so for me, <laughs> I'm going to take the opposite approach. I think Eva Marie, there's going to be a dewdrop. There's going to be some shit to happen with the fucking doll. Um, they're going to steal the doll somehow, try to make it somehow like the Undertaker's urn or some shit. You're going Alexa Bliss. I'll go Eva Marie to keep it interesting because who the fuck cares? Would you would you like to have a friendly wager? I mean, we are going to be together in Las Vegas. Okay. Would you like to have a friendly wager on the outcome of who gets more predictions right for SummerSlam? Okay. I'm going to ask this question live on the air, and uh, and then we'll see what happens. Absolutely. So the wager is... Loser, uh, we are going to do a live stream, and we'll see if we can do it at a bar. The loser it's pays exactly. for the drinks that night. Loser pays Done. the drinks. Oh, all, all the drinks all night? All the drinks for Ooh. one bar for the after show. Because you got ex- you're a bougie bitch. You got expensive taste, bro. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'm I'm a pretty person who likes pretty things. I mean, you are a pretty you know, person it's... who likes pretty things. You are certainly not a bitch, sir, but you are a little bit you... bougie. You are on, sir. Virtual handshake. Virtual handshake, sir. There it is. There it is. All right, for the whole live stream. And then you know I'm going to end up buying drinks anyways uh, for the night. Well, I'm I'm glad that we started off this wager with what was effectively a, well, if you went that way, I'm going this way match. So hopefully the rest of them will have a little more thought put into them. And I do have some thoughts on on the rest of the cards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just see Eva Marie's back for the first time, but Alexa Bliss is hot. They'll give Eva Marie a win, and there's gonna be a it's gonna be a smudge of bullshit. It's not gonna be it's gonna be a smaz, but anyways, uh, or schmaz, I should say. All right, your personal favorite match with Veer and Shanky, okay, banned from ringside. Who takes it? Oh, thank God. Drew McIntyre or Jinder Mahal? Well, so so. I'm going to go with Drew McIntyre, okay? But here's the thing. Um, McIntyre needs to win this. He should win it. But no one is coming out of this looking good. I mean, McIntyre cannot lose to Mahal. And if Mahal loses, then what the fuck was the point of all this stuff with, with the two of them? So I, I, I cannot see McIntyre losing to Mahal. I, I got to go with McIntyre. You know what? I also, even though it's a friendly wager, yeah, I can't see Jinder beating him, especially both those guys are banned from ringside. Drew is still a massive star, and even they have to know that if he loses to Jinder, he's basically going to be freaking dethroned to being that of a mid-card quality guy. So... I would say Drew McIntyre also. And to your point, this this just feels like a, a something-to-do type of match. Well, the, this... The, God. The, McIntyre has been diminished, but the crowds are still behind him. They're still behind him, despite the, the cartoony dialogue that they give him about his sword and the putting the sword in the stone, and even him swinging the sword at these guys like he's going to cut their heads off on live TV. Uh, 
the other problem with this though is that if Mahal wins, then this this whatever they're doing continues. This this needs to end. They both need to go on to do other things. That this this three MB reunion that they're doing with each other just does not work. It needs to be Drew McIntyre for not just for consistency. Well, no, I shouldn't say consistency, but not just because Drew McIntyre is on a different level than Jinder Mahal, but for the sake of our sanity. For the sake of our sanity, okay, we are, are you, both. Are you are you are you keeping track of these? Dude, I'm I'm, I'm the guy I'm the guy who edits these, bro. This is gonna be this is gonna be a face. This is I'm gonna make this a Facebook video that's gonna go down. That I'm actually gonna spend twenty dollars to advertise, bro. Okay. Woo. All right. Woo. Okay. Next up, let's start talking about some matches that we're gonna enjoy. And for some reason. This is billed the third match of the evening. Edge versus Seth freaking Rollins. Who do you think takes this? So I am going to go with Edge. So, you know, here's another another example, a match that neither guy can really afford to lose. Um, Edge won the Royal Rumble. He didn't get the title win at WrestleMania or at Money in the Bank. And his comeback, you know, after being away for 10, 10-ish years, it's been marred by, you know, the COVID-19 situation and then his tricep injury that occurred that kept him out for a bunch of months. Meanwhile, you have Rollins, on the other hand, who's kind of been stuck in neutral. I mean, the, the, the only difference I see with Rollins here is that whatever this Batman villain thing he's doing right now, it feels to me a step below his architect and even the Monday Night Messiah gimmicks that he had. He feels like a... Again, he just he feels like a bad caricature of a '60s Batman villain. That's just me. But Edge Edge still has equity, but they can't keep beating him. So either way, this is not going to be the end of their story. You could make the argument that the feud can continue if uh, if Rollins beats Edge, but I think Edge deserves the moment. I think he deserves it in front of the large crowd. I uh, I think Edge for the win here, but I think their story is not ending here. Yeah, because let's let's look at what happened. Edge lost at um, Edge lost at Money in the Bank. They never have a guy. They're not going to have him lose tw- two pay per views in a row. Edge would be the safe bet, but to at to to make this exciting for the viewer at home, mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna say because now we have to look at it like this. Okay, do you invest in? Rollins versus Rain somehow gets to him or do you or are they going to go all in have him lose to Edge and dive deeper into madness that's really what I can see happening here so I'm gonna say Seth Rollins due to some sort of stupidity he's not gonna beat Edge clean but he is gonna win the match okay I can I can respect that I can see that I think you're, you're being a little contrarian but that's okay no, no. Well, I think that to keep it interesting, because no, and, and in all seriousness, this is one for me that's been hard to figure out. So the fact that you chose Edge actually made it easier for me to just go all in on Rollins, because to, to, to just speak my internal dialogue here, I could really see it going either way, because Edge is kind of hitting sort of the end of end of the road. Does he do the job for Seth Rollins, kind of put a young guy over who still has a little bit of run left in his career, Um, which I can see happening since Edge is a good dude like that. Mr. Adam Copeland is a good guy like that. So, 
Yeah, I, I think if uh, maybe if Rollins wins, we can lose the whole fucking shower curtain suit gimmick, but that may not happen. So you're going Edge. I'm going Seth. Seth freaking Rollins. Understood, sir. All right. Next on the list, and God damn it, I think this is the match that's going to steal the show. I think this is the match that we're going to be like, damn, this was the best freaking match on the card. Um, just because you got a guy like, oh, the match is for the WWE United States Championship. Sheamus versus Damian Priest. Damian is, has been getting a lot of freaking airtime lately. They've been doing a good job trying to get him over. They've been doing a great job at building this match up. Uh, Miz and Morrison have been doing their part to try to elevate this match um, to being something that people will care about. Um, I think I think it's I, I I am waiting for your prediction on how it will go, but my bold prediction will be that this is going to be the best match of the night, or something that I will consider to be the best match of the night. I can I can respect that. I I um, <clears throat> the two guys are certainly capable. My prediction here, I believe Damian Priest will become the new United States champion. And, and the reason for that, you know, she, we talked about it with Apollo Crews. I think Sheamus is a victim of the secondary champion booking. You know, he hasn't been a bad U.S. champion, but the problem is, is that, again, it's how all the secondary champions are booked. He hasn't really done much since he won the title. I mean, he did have that, that, that bullying thing going on with Humberto Carrillo. Um, and then that stupid S&M mask that he wears. But... Typical WWE logic here states that uh, Sheamus hasn't really been elevated by the title. Priest is an up-and-coming talent that hasn't done much since his Bad Bunny partnership at WrestleMania, and so putting the U.S. title on him here makes a lot of sense. Whether it elevates Priest or it it drags Priest down into the muck where all the secondary champions wind up remains to be seen, but, I mean, I I think there's every reason to believe that Priest will, will take the belt here. You know what? This is uh, this is one where where I think we both agree, just based on how much of a pop that Damian's gotten lately. Like Sheamus is on in no means is he going to be on his way out of the company. I just feel like the belt does way more for Damian than it ever did for Sheamus. Because with Sheamus, it was more like, hey, this this belt's kind of a demotion, but you get to hold something for a while. You know, it's 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 security of sorts. Um, so yeah, I gotta, I gotta agree. I think Sheamus drops the belt. I think it's gonna be the best match of the night. But I think ultimately, Damian Priest wins the belt and he wins it clean. Well, don't be so, don't be so sure that Sheamus isn't on his way out of the company. You never know when you're gonna end up on Nick Khan's naughty list. Ooh, that's true. I mean, <laughs> I wonder if, I wonder if that's like in the back of these guys' minds because before. Because I, I was always a fear, like the, the fear before was, okay, if I drop this belt, am I going to am I gonna lose my spot? Like, you're still going to be in the company, but it's like, am I going to be poorly used from here on out? Now it's got to be like, um, am I, is my contract just considered to not be profitable? Are they trying to get the belt off me to kick me out of the company now that the old man isn't going to really do much to save me because there's another place we could go? down in florida uh <laughs> that's all that's all i'm gonna say there but uh yeah. so so our our first title match prediction so far and we're both predicting a title change so that's good yeah i i have to go that route i mean you can't like you have miz and john morrison two very respected uh 
locker room veterans who are putting you over. Uh, the crowd likes him. It just feels like it's his time to win the belt. It just feels yeah, and, like it. And, and he got the bad bunny rub at WrestleMania in the build up to WrestleMania, and they just haven't really done much with him since. And I understand part of that was there weren't crowds, but you know, it, it's his time. It, it's time to do something with Damian Priest. And if you're not going to pull the trigger on him winning the belt here, then I don't know what you're going to do with him. Okay, our first tag team championship match of the evening. Raw, this is for the Raw Tag Team Championships. AJ yeah. Styles and Omos, or uh, yeah, Omos, I should say, my bad, versus RK Bro, which is Riddle and Randy Orton. Who do you think takes it? I think we're going to see new tag team champions. You know what? God damn it. I hate to keep agreeing with you because it's part of the bet, but considering the pop that RK Bro keeps getting, it almost feels like. It would be the dumbest booking move of all time to not put the tag team championship belts on these guys. Yeah, I think I think look, I mean the Styles Omos partnership certainly hasn't run its course yet, but I don't think that they need the tag titles to further the story. Plus I think with the with the tag belt on Omos, it kind of forces him to be exposed a little bit. Plus, hey, there's a lot of mileage and fan interest in the the RK bro odd couple pairing. Mm-hmm. And since they've been playing up, they've been playing up the fact that Orton hasn't really been wanting to team with them. What better way to keep them together than actually putting the tag belts on them? Agreed. So yeah, so we tie there. I think I think RK bro takes it, and you and I will be in the stadium that day and that night. And wow. what I, th- I think as soon as – I think that's going to be the biggest pop of the night is when they win. If they win those belts, that place is going to fucking riot. That place is going to come – it'll bring down the house. If it's a good finish, it's going to bring down the house. That's going to be the pop of the night. I guarantee it. Well, let's hope so. Absolutely. Next on the list, another tag team match, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship belt is on the line i love both these tag teams uh you have the usos versus the mysterios who do you think takes it so this is my lock of the night the usos are retaining the titles it's gonna be see see hang on so so let me explain this real quick go ahead just won the titles Yep. To me, it's counterproductive to pass the titles back to the Mysterios since they, again, they just beat them for the titles at Money in the Bank. The plus, you know, on SmackDown, they started sprinkling the seeds of a of a Dominic being overconfident and possibly a little bit of a maybe possible heel turn. Um, you know, and they went out of their way to talk about how the Street Profits are going to be next in line. You know, hey, I, I think it would be a bad idea for them to turn Dominic heel, but uh, certainly... I just don't see the logic of passing it back to the Mysterios. However, I know that you are a Dom fan, so I'm interested to hear what you're thinking here. So there was there was a certain DUI incident that happened with one of the Uso brothers, and mm-hmm. all of us have been of the mindset. We all thought, oh, shit, his ass with four DUIs is on his way out of the company. It didn't happen immediately. So part of me thinks... That uh, oh wait well I mean then they won the belts at Money in the Bank yeah, after they, they the incident the belts, they put, put the, the belts belt on him after the DUI after the DUI incident 
Yeah, here's the thing. I don't want to see Dom turn heel. I don't think he'd be a very good heel. I think he's the perfect baby face just where he's at. If they would have ended the Rollins uh, feud a little bit better, I think he would have been put way over the confines of the tag team championships. Let's put it that way. I think he should be in the lineup for, say, the Intercontinental Championship, or at least in that division. Um, that being said... You're probably right with the Usos. Um, I would think... I, I have to go with patterns here, right? So if Priest is going to lose the title belt and we feel that RK-Bro is going to win the next title belt, it kind of feels like what they might do is change belt hands until you get to the main event. That way it adds a little bit more surprise to it. So... I'm going to say Mysterio's take it, and they're going to milk Ooh. this pay-per-view. They're going to milk this feud for one more pay-per-view because there's you really going, nothing there. You are not only going against my prediction, but you are going against my, my lock of the night. I'm going against Fantastic. your lock of the big, night. Big, big cojones. I love it. I love it. I got I to gotta go there, and you're probably right. So the thing is, you got bigger cojones than me because you're saying – this is in this is this is 100 per and 50,000 percent gonna happen the match me I'm just saying like damn that's gonna be the pop of the night when they win damn that's gonna be the match of the night but you're 100 percent the Usos are gonna win that's your lock do you want to double uh, do you want to add a little extra wager onto that yes okay <laughs> if if the Usos lose. The other person has to pay for dinner uh, on another night. Ooh, all right, I'm down. I'm down. Okay, cool. So for those of you who uh, missed out the first part, if uh, whoever guesses the most predictions, uh, the loser, so the person who loses the first wager has to buy drinks that night. The person who wins uh, on this match gets free freaking dinner. Nice. So... Yeah, we, we have if our Mysterios, if, if the Mysterios win, you can order anything you want off the dollar menu, bud. You know what, bro? I I <laughs> I am going to say the value menu for you, man. You could pick the combo, and I'll let you supersize oh, if the wow. Usos win. Ooh. Man, that's not going to be good for my, uh, for my February showcase, but, uh, you know. Hey, bro, we don't start I, our cut until the day after SummerSlam. <laughs> well hey well hey here's the deal man with all with with all legitimacy we we will be doing some fine dining aside from we're not eating that garbage yeah we we will be doing some fine fine dining all right so the next match which i think is going to be a pretty good match but i kind of know where the hell it's going already just based off of wwe logic the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. And I'll give my prediction first. Go for it. WWE Booking 101, 50-50 wins. Sasha Banks has destroyed uh, freaking Bianca Belair in the same move, the same trick twice. They're going to let the babyface get her revenge at the pay-per-view. Bianca Belair wins. She wins clean. Wow. So I am going to disagree. Oh. I have Sasha Banks winning the SmackDown Women's Championship. And so, hey, you know, hey, I, I can see why you would go that way. I think that this is a little bit of a toss up here. 
Um, but as far as I'm concerned, I think that there's more mileage in having Bel Air chase a heel champion in Banks. Otherwise, the, the SmackDown women's roster is completely barren of potential challengers for Bel Air if she continues as champion. If, Bank wins the, if Banks wins the title, you can get a couple pay-per-views out of her and Bel Air. And then there's a baby say a babyface side of the roster that Banks can then feud with, um, and then who knows? Uh, Bailey is still a couple months away from coming back, but I, I just don't know what. I, I, I guess my my prediction here is just based more on if Belair wins, I don't know what she does next. Yeah, because it's definitely not like the the men, the Universal Championship, I should say. Whereas. They've done a great job at setting potential challengers all over the place with Reigns. You and I have discussed this. They they basically have two years worth of feuds ready for Roman Reigns. Whereas with Bianca Belair, you're right. She's already beaten everybody who could pose a potential threat to her. So maybe a loss is there. I'm just going with uh, Bianca because she got murdered twice. They're going to let her have her baby face pop. And that's that's just that. Yeah, and like, and like I said, I, I it, it really is a toss-up in my mind. But but again, you know, when I really sat down and thought about it, um, I just don't know what happens next with Bel Air if she if she may if she retains the title. So that that's really the the determining factor in me going with Sasha. Absolutely. All right, next on the list, this is, God damn it, such great athletes on this car on this in this match just put together the wrong fucking way so nikki ash or as you refer to her as nikki cross will defend the raw women's championship versus rhea ripley and charlotte flair in a triple threat match you go first who pins who pins nikki (laughs) charlotte or rhea well so hey look you can make a case for anyone in this match to win because the booking of the new raw women's champion has been uh let's just say questionable at best um if the intent is just if the intent is just to have cross drop the title here then what was the point of having her win it in the first place i think it was just to keep yeah i mean the the route you could have gone there and not to interrupt you i'm sorry bro uh, would be it felt like Rhea and Charlotte were the only two women in that company who were in each other's class, right? Like they're definitely main event superstars. And I feel like they just brought Nikki in because the crowd was loving the whole superhero gimmick, the whole oh, almost a superhero gimmick. You needed you needed something fresh because you can't just have Charlotte and Rhea beat each other up on paid TV every other month. I think it was just, I think it's, uh, I think she's just the mosquito who you can have get pinned just so you could, you know, keep the Rhea and Charlotte feud going like in a new way. Cause I really don't see any other challengers other than those two. Well, so that, so then look at what happened on raw, right? So what happened on raw and we didn't really talk about it, but you know, Rhea Ripley defeats Nikki cross, right? Cause why not? You might as well just be, keep eating Nikki cross. Um, and then later you have Charlotte pins Rhea in the tag team match. So by the transference principle, Nikki gets pinned by Rhea, Rhea gets pinned by Charlotte, therefore Charlotte's better. All of this goes into this soup, and all I keep coming back to is if 
Cross was just going to drop the title here. Why put it on her in the first place? Here's what I think. I think Nikki Cross is going to retain the Raw Women's Championship. It's going to be in some fluky, bullshit way. And then in a pay-per-view or two from now, either Rhea Ripley or Charlotte will take the belt from her then. That's a very logical prediction. Um... Plus, I, plus, plus, before you start, real quick, I did also predict Sasha Banks winning the the SmackDown title. So I that that was the other determining factor in me saying, you know what, Cross is gonna is gonna find some way. She's gonna channel her inner superhero and retain the Raw Women's Championship. And now I will turn it over to you, sir. You know what, I could I could actually see that happening with current booking to keep things fresh. Um, I am actually going to say that Rhea Ripley is going to take out Nikki Cross. And I'm actually going to say that this could be Rhea Ripley's heel turn this match. Mm, I think she's going to do some heelish shit and maybe Charlotte gets out of the match. She finally has a shot at Nikki and she's going to do some things that are going to make that crowd go awfully freaking quiet. I'm going Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley it is, sir. Rhea Ripley, you think Nikki Ash retains? I hope that it's a great match and something that we're speaking positively about and not smacking our heads like, what the fuck was that? Um, <laughs> but we shall see. All right, next on the list, we have two matches left. The WWE Universal Championship match. Roman, the head of the table, the, the tribal chief, Roman Reigns taking on the 16-time, the former 16-time champion of the world, John Cena. Who do you think takes it? So, you know, I have to, you know, we talked about this earlier. I, I have to admit, you know, this seemed like the biggest slam dunk prediction when it was announced. However, the, the recent release of Ric Flair and then John Cena playing up that this could be his 17th title win and the fact that he the promo was all about I don't have to I don't have to beat you up I just have to catch you with the three count yep really really made this more compelling and more of a choice in my mind than it had any right to be I mean the right thing to do here is to have Roman Reigns smash him like you said and then retain the title um, at this point pinning Roman actually means something he hasn't been pinned in over 600 days he's been the universal champion for almost a year um, and if you're going to have him get beat at this point, it shouldn't be to give Cena his, his record-breaking 17th title win. It should be to make somebody <coughs> Finn Balor. <coughs> yeah. um, but, but, you can't, but you can't put it past WWE booking to give Cena the, 17th, the, the record 17th because the one thing that they've shown over the years is that when they have somebody who holds a record that is no longer with the company, they usually find a way to find someone else to take over that record immediately. Um, so, you know, could, could they have Cena win in some fluky way? And w because in the, in, in their minds, they think they're protecting reigns. Sure. Regardless of all this though, R Roman reigns winning here has to happen. I don't know what Cena's obligations are to the WWE after SummerSlam. I don't know what his Hollywood schedule looks like, but I do give the WWE credit for at least making this a little more compelling than it had any right to be. Roman Reigns retains the Universal Championship, and in my bonus prediction, 
I believe Finn Balor will somehow get himself involved either during or immediately after the match. Okay, that is that is a bold prediction. Um, I think I think Finn will get involved also, but here's what I think is going to happen. I think he goes after Finn Balor somehow gets involved. Maybe he goes after John accidentally takes out Reigns. There's your Schmaz win. Um, I actually think that eventually they do need to take the belt off Reigns, especially if he's going to wrestle the Rock. This seems like the best way to do it because then you have you already have Finn and Cena with something to do with each other. There you go. Then you know you could possibly get the belt on Finn Balor without Roman Reigns having to get pinned by Finn Balor. So there's there's an angle there. Um, because Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman in his corner is probably the, the most protected guy in that building. So maybe there's a finish that Paul Heyman has thought of that we're not seeing just yet. Um, but I think Cena is going to win it. I think Roman's going to beat the ever-loving shit out of him. There's going to be some type of schmoz. Cena's <clears throat> going to get the pin. Belts off Roman. We can start the Rock feud if that's what's going to happen. Um, and then you can have the Finn-Cena uh, match go down. And then you can get the belt on Finn Balor without Roman having to be the guy to give him that win. Which I do agree, though. I would love to see Finn Balor be the guy to get the pin because that would put Finn over, like beyond over. But, uh, yeah, my, my opinion is I got to go with Cena on this one. Yeah, so so let, let's just talk a minute about that. Um, so I think we can both agree this is going to be the last match. This will... I, I don't know, because we got to have the, the Lashley versus Goldberg match. And when I get to yeah, my there, prediction, there's there's a reason why I think it'll, be, it'll still be the last match. Oh, really? Okay. Well, then that's interesting, because I'll, I'll predict match order as well. However, um, you know... It, if Cena, if this match goes on last and Cena wins, the crowd goes home happy. The crowd didn't go home happy at WrestleMania because Reigns stacked, you know, Brian and, and Edge and won. Are they going to give us two heel closing, pay, you know, major pay-per-views? I find that hard to believe. And here's the last thing about this. Clearly, the, the, the coming surprises with AEW are on their mind. I mean, they did bring up you know, John Moxley and, and CM and they reference CM Punk on the SmackDown promo with John Cena. Does WWE feel that they need to provide a surprise at the pay-per-view at SummerSlam? That but I don't. Who would that surprise, but who would that surprise be? Exactly. And at this point, at this point to counter what they're doing, I think there's only two people. It's either going to be Brock Lesnar or The Rock. I don't, and it's too early to begin the thing with The Rock. Does Brock Lesnar show up? I, I I don't know. And if and if he does, is there a natural storyline with him challenging Reigns, or is there a natural storyline with him showing up to challenge Lashley and have Paul Heyman play up the fact that he's going to manage the 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 champion on both brands? I don't know. I'm getting into kind of fantasy booking level now, um, but uh, I can certainly see why you would think. Uh, uh, Cena might win, and I'm interested to hear why you think Lashley Goldberg will go last. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the main event plays out. I think either way, we can both agree 
Roman Reigns and John Cena is going to be a hell of a match. Oh, I think I think it's going to be the second best match of the night. Uh, I think Sheamus and and uh, Damian Priest is going to be the best match. But I definitely that's going to be that, that's going to be a hoss fight, man. I'm telling those two those two big dudes. Oh, and Sheamus loves to loves to be physical, you know. Dude, Sheamus has a hard style. He loves working stiff. Damian does is not afraid to get hit a little bit. So I think it's going to be a it's going to be a sensational match. Um, Cena Reigns going to be a great match. Also, I just don't know at this stage of Cena's life and career how bad he wants to keep taking like serious bumps. So I think it'll be a standard, really good main event heavyweight match with the proper move set in that regard. But don't expect any like top rope shenanigans or tables or any shit like that. That's that's all I'm saying there. Um, yep. Finally. The WWE Championship match between Bobby Lashley versus Bill Goldberg. Who do you think takes this? Lashley's retaining here. Um, the way, based on the way that they booked Lashley, and especially coming off the way that he he destroyed Kofi Kingston at Money in the Bank, it would be absolutely unconscionable if they had Lashley drop the title to Goldberg. Goldberg got his ass kicked by Drew McIntyre at the Royal Rumble. There's simply no story with Goldberg winning. Um, I can't put a past booking, though, to, to think that Lashley might gain something from a Goldberg title win and then him regaining the title back from Goldberg, but that's simply not the case. It would be irresponsible booking. And Lashley is just... Lashley is closely approaching that Roman Reigns territory now where he's they they went with him at WrestleMania when it looked like they he was just going to be a transition to get the title back to Drew. He's he was booked to just absolutely smoke Kofi Kingston. It would be again, it would be irresponsible to have him drop the title here to Goldberg. I but again, this is the same booking crew that had Goldberg pin the Fiend when he was the Universal Champion in 2 minutes. So, you know, what do I know? But I think there's every reason in the world to think that Lashley retains, and I'm curious to hear why you think it's going to go last. I think I'm. I think I might know, but I'm. I'm very interested to hear your your logic and your prediction. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to agree with you on the outcome. Lashley, I think, is just going to smoke Goldberg. I think Goldberg gets some decent offense the first three minutes, and then after that, it's going to be the fucking Bobby Lashley clinic. Just, just, just. He's gonna he's gonna retire Bill Goldberg. Like I think Gold, Goldberg probably got a big payday. It's like, hey, you're just gonna come out and you're gonna get shit stomped. Because I can't I can't foresee a 53 year old Bill Goldberg, uh, you know, wanting to do the road life again or even wanting to do more than one pay per view a year. Even um, it's a very active title. He's not going to win. Lashley is just super hot right now. You're right. I think he is the Roman Reigns of Raw right now. He's the Roman Reigns of Raw. MVP is the Paul Heyman of Raw, which is why SmackDown is the superior product. But fuck it. We got two great champions right now. I don't think they're going to ruin that, or or at least not to a 53-year-old Goldberg. They're going to give that win to somebody they're trying to elevate. Well, and, and they've done this twice with Goldberg already. I mean, he ended Kevin Owens' universal title reign, and then he ended um, The Fiend's universal title reign. So I, I don't understand why they keep going back to Goldberg. Um, don't get me wrong. It'll be cool to be in the stadium and hear the hear the, you know, the music and, you know, it'll Goldberg, bring me back to the, to the 90s. Goldberg, Goldberg. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But, but, you know, so 
Lashley retains. We're in agreement. Now, now please continue because I know you've got more. We have not seen a lot from Big E as we had mentioned uh, earlier. I think this is when Big E gets his revenge on Lashley, gets the one, two, three, gets the belt, and then gets the absolute shit kicked out of him the next pay-per-view. How much is he going to have to pay Baron Corbin in order to to obtain the services of the Money in the Bank contract again? The price of one ass whooping. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Fair enough. So you think that there's going to be some kind of skit or some kind of maybe match on the pre-show or something where E gets his briefcase back? I do think so. I think it's going to be done ultra cartoony in such a way that where you're like, okay, like you're not even going to thank this guy in the title picture, right? So, and if uh, if you've been following along, they have experimented with uh, Big E uh, interfering with some house show matches that involved Xavier Woods and uh, Kofi versus Bobby Lashley in a handicap match. Recently, they had him walk out in a towel to distract Bobby Lashley. So... They, what, they, what they're doing now, which is smart, with these dark room matches, they're actually using it more or less to actually experiment what's going to work with a full audience. And they're not doing it before the show. They're doing it after the show. Because they're going to be like, because, you know, a lot of people are going to want a little bit more. So, um, yeah. That's what leads me to believe Lash, or Big E's going to come back because they haven't done much with him on SmackDown. Um, he's going to win. He's going to win the belt. Of course, it's going to be a freaking schmoz after freaking Lashley was in a, you know, was tired from beating the crap out of Goldberg. The final man to walk out with the WWE championship is going to be Biggie. And then he's going to lose it immediately the next pay-per-view. <clears throat> but because he's the raw champion, the new day will be back together. That's what I think happens. So, so there you heard it first live here on the Slammer Brothers podcast. Not only is, is Jack predicting that there will be 12 matches on this show, and the first one being Big E getting his contract back from, from old uh, Baron Corbin there, but then also an impromptu third world title match with Big E taking down Mr. Bobby Lashley. That rhymes. Yes, it does. It does. Yes, right? it does. That's very impressive. Yeah. So there it is. Twelve. You're predicting a twelve match card, and uh, Big E will be the big winner at the end of the ma at the end of the night. Um, I will not go that far. I'm going to stick with Bobby Lashley, and I'm going to stick with uh, with Roman and Cena closing the show, and and either Finn Balor or perhaps an, a bigger surprise, uh, sending the crowd home at least somewhat happier than they would be with just seeing Roman holding the title up. Hey, how about this, though? If Big E does indeed have a match with Baron Corbin to get his Money in the Bank contract back and then cashes in later on in the night and beats Bobby Lashley for the title, what will be longer, the combined length of those two matches or the amount of time it takes Roman Reigns to get to the ring? Ooh, that's a tough one because Roman, a, Roman takes a, his time. The head of the table, the tribal chief, he takes his that, time. That's a, that's a good over-under Vegas bet right there. Fuck, that is a good bet. Um, 